a path to the just. Last week we are in, a ch in chapter 11, Midat HaNekiyut, staying clean, being clean, clean hands, clean heart, clean soul. And uh, we spoke last week, we basically concluded uh, the subject of deceiving people lying to people, misleading people, taking advantage on a blind man, not literally blind, blind in his own weakness, which means he doesn't know about uh, mechanics, about uh, mecha the mechanism of a car, and he goes to a mechanic and he sees that he doesn't know anything and he misleads him and give him the wrong advice, of course, to trick him, or for whatever reason, or to buy the car cheap from him, or to say the engine is finished, all kinds of things like this. When it could be a fuse, which $2, and everything will work like brand new, yeah? So all these things, this is some of the things, is if you're a professional and you're dealing with a customer that has no idea what you're talking about, if you're not an honest person, it's very easy to fool him. And that's where the fear from God come into place. So that's where we actually concluded last week. Today, we're still in the same chapter, chapter 11, and we are speaking about Chilul Hashem. Chilul Hashem. Chilul, Chol, we have two terms in Judaism, Kodesh and Chol. Kodesh and Chol. Kodesh means holy, Chol means ordinary. Weekday, weekday, Shabbat. Okay. God is the most holy thing that we can think of, obviously. It's the source of holiness. Taking God and making him into an ordinary thing, there's no bigger crime than this. Everybody understand, right? Taking God and making him into your friend from high school, or into your commander in the army, or your teacher in a college, you find a bigger crime than this? Many people in the world, even some of them have some religion in them, they don't understand the term God. They live with a concept, thinking God is their friend, and he owes them something, and they have the right to test him. But the worst part is, not only that they test God and have high demands and a list of requests every minute of their life, they are disgracing the name of God in public. That's what it really means, Chilul Hashem. Yeah, that's where we ended up? Yeah. So, the uh, Chilul Hashem is when a person makes scenes that other people look at him as a religious Jew, or just a Jew in general, and they say, look at these Jews, look at their religion, and that's very interesting because it really has no connection. It's very strange how people make a connection between the way the people behave to the instructions of the Torah. If you have the United States Constitution, many people violate it. Or the laws of transportation, speed limits, all this. Almost everyone violated. Go on the highway, one out of a thousand obey the rules. You know anyone who drives 50 miles an hour? One out of a thousand. Everyone violates it. So just because many people violate it, or even some people violate it, is that means that the laws are corrupted, that means the laws are not correct? The fact that the people, the followers, supposedly, of that constitution are not really following it correctly, what does it have to do with the actual constitution? What does it have to do with that? There is a list of requests, HaKadosh Baruch Hu said to us what we need to do, and we violate it. Because we violate it, is that a reason for other people to get a bad example from us? Oh, you see? It's allowed to kill. Oh, you see? It's allowed to steal. Here, yeah, look, they steal, so I'll steal also. What's the connection? I don't understand. Just because everyone is a crook, I'll be a crook. Just because everyone is angry, I'll be angry. Just because nobody pays respect, I'll be also arrogant. What's the connection? The opposite. A clever person should say there's so much garbage in this world, so many negative things. Let me get out of there. I'll be one winner out of a million, not another loser among millions. Let me follow the right direction. But this is very big responsibility. Apparently, you can see that God knew the way people would react 
to bad behaving of Jews, and they would, they would have a lot of excuses to justify the evil way by copying from supposedly religious Jews and a damage that it makes to the reputation of the Torah. That's why he made this scene the worst in the Torah. It's such a horrible scene that in a book, Rashid Chochmah, which is mainly Kabbalah, almost everything is deep Kabbalistic things, and it's A, B, and C, Aleph, Bet, Gimel, in chapter one, in just in the middle, there's about 30, 40 pages, describe hell. Exactly what happens over there. First section, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seven. It's a collection. Collection from all the words of the Torah and the prophets and the sages about what's happening to the wicked Jews and non-Jews in hell. That's what, that's what it describes over there. In the English edition, since it's in the hand of the American uh, authority, American Jews, and they are very nice, pleasant, the, the way they present it is in a very calm and pleasant way, and they don't show the judgment of the Torah so much. So they did not translate it even. They took it out of the book. That's really what happened. It burns my heart when I see things like this, I have to admit. But it's big rabbis. You know, they have their opinion, we have our opinion. I always claim that when God gave the Torah, he knew that how the world would end, all the generation. He knew 3,320 years ago that there will be billions of losers in this generation that cannot handle the truth, supposedly. He knew it, no? He also knew there will be many people who use this as an excuse to say, oh, God is too strict. It's too scary. It's turning, you're turning them off. You know all this. And, and at least a third or even more of the Torah, it's very strict laws and very strict punishments. If God was afraid that his punishments would scare people away from his Torah or would, ter or would make them not follow the truth, he would not put it in the Torah. He would put it in Kabbalah. Kabbalah, one out of a thousand learn, one out of ten thousand. So they would know the real truth, and they will hint to the people who cannot handle the truth, like a baby. You give him with a spoon, little by little, you cannot let him the whole bottle. So he'll put a little by little, fine. But since God didn't think so, he put it all open, it's all public, and it was translated to 70 languages, and Hashem knows the future, apparently it didn't bother him so much. It didn't bother him, the opposite. He wants every Jew to know the truth. Well, today when I translate some of these books to English, they just don't show some parts of the Torah because they think that it's going to make people scared from the truth. I have experienced that it's not the case. It doesn't, whoever claimed that, in my opinion, is 100% wrong. The opposite. The nature of the people, they can bark as much as they want. Inside the heart, it makes the change. When you give them the beauty of the Torah, the truth of God, and the strict punishment that God gives to the wicked people, that's the best combination. And it repeats hundreds of times in the Tanakh. To love and to fear God. They always go together like a husband and wife. Without husband, there's no kids. Without wife, there's no kids. It's no continuous. Always go together. So anyway, Chilul Hashem, it's the worst punishment. Just like Mechalel Shabbat. Just like wasting seed on purpose. It falls in the worst category, the seventh lowest category in hell. And this is called Chilul Hashem. It's one of the scenes that's very difficult to make repentance for. When you're embarrassing the reputation of the Torah or God, because you're supposedly a representative of it in the world, and you scream and you curse and you yell and you steal and you cheat and you do bad things on Shabbat, or you, you, know, you, you do bad things in general, in your modesty and all kinds of things, and people see it, they, they have terrible opinion about the truth of God because of you. You twist the entire truth in the world. And that's very big responsibility. You know, if a person takes one letter out of the Torah, you know what a punishment this person is subject to? To modify the book of God? You have the nerve to do such a thing? Take a book of God, 304,805 letters, you change a word there? It's a forgery. Not of a check. 
It's a forgery of, of foundation of the world. And everyone would follow the mistake that he did. For instance, all he has to do is change one letter in the Torah and you destroy the Torah. One letter. You know what? Not the whole letter. One dot. One dot of the letter, you erase, you, you destroy the world. One dot. Which letter I'm talking about? When we say Shema Israel, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad. That's a very important say. Listen, Israel, our God. Listen, Israel, our God is one. There's no other God. This is what it means. So when we say Echad, in the end, means one. Our God is the only God, right? Hashem Echad. It's the sentence finished with the word Echad. How do you write Daled in Hebrew? You have a line and another line, two lines. One line across, one line going, but the line who comes from up to down comes close to the middle. So you have like a roof, and you have another line. But from this line, you have something goes to the side, a little bit, like a, a point goes out. If you shave the point, you change the letter. You turn it into resh. This is a Dalet, this is a Resh. Listen good. This is Dalet, this is Resh. If you shave the corner, you make it. Listen, Israel, our God, it's another God. There's more than one. Destroy the world. One, one dot, one dot you shave from the Torah. You, you destroy the world. Understand what we're talking here about? So, Chilul Hashem, how do you correct Chilul Hashem? How you correct it? There's a list of requirements to correct what you did. One, to stop what you're doing. Second, to regret it very much. Third, to be ashamed. Fourth, every day we do it three times a day. A confession. Atati, Abiti, Pashati, if you can cry, it's even better. Fourth one, Yom Kippur. Once a year, Yom Kippur, you fast, you pray, you, you ask for forgiveness. And sixth one, suffering. Lots of suffering in life. Sicknesses, surgery, problem, traffic every day, aggravation, problem, children, wife, no wife, whatever. And the seventh, it's still not enough. Everything I mention, even for Shabbat, it's enough. For Shabbat, if you get all the six, you can clean it. Violating Shabbat. But this, it's not enough. Still need the time of death to be together in a package deal to erase the sin. But there is another advice. To, look, to do the opposite. To, to sanctify the name of Hashem. To do the opposite. To do a lot of things that people would say, wow, look at these people. Look at the children of God, how nice they are. Look how honest they are. Look how they behave. Look how modest the women. Look how generous they are in charity. Then you, the more you sanctify the name of Hashem, then you balance your situation in this sin. Because up to now you embarrassed Hashem. Now you're correcting the embarrassment and turning it into a glory. That's what, that's what a person has to do. So if before, when the Goy came to the bank, and you were before him, you went in and you left the door to close in his face. Now you wait three more seconds and hold the door. Mr. Smith, s'il vous plaît, come in. Oh, thank you. If you don't have a yarmulke, he doesn't know you're a Jew, he didn't get anything. You better make sure he understands who you are. So you do it. You do nice things to people. It's very good. But I'm just coming from LA. This visit, I've seen, it's very interesting, that I meet so many nice Jews there, so many nice people. Great people. Mamash, you, ten minutes you talk to them, you fall in love with them. Older people, younger people, all kinds of people. You see, we have such great people in this world, you know, I mean, you see, generosity, nice, welcome every person, run, carry your bag, run to drive you, run to get your food. You say, oh, where is this? Two minutes later, it's on your table. They didn't even realize. You see what great people we have? Everyone can be like this. Everyone can be like this. Yeah, yeah. 
so, we are in a generation that there's so much bad news, so, many, so much corruption, so many bad things happening in our society. So God is showing me not everything is black. There's some great things and some very white ones, which are very good. See, I'm telling you. You know, i just give you an example. I needed to go to the early in the morning to very early. I got up, I went to sleep 4 o'clock, I got up 6.30 already. I had to go to the to Davin to go to the airport. Five people were fighting who's going to take me to the airport. Five people fighting, texting, calling. No, can I come? They didn't know what to do. And I had to not to insult anyone. And they have work. It's enough. You told the rabbi, I want to take you to the airport. He said, no, thank you. I have a ride already. You got the mitzvah, no? You got it. No, you really want to do it. Understand? That's Kiddush Hashem. That's Kiddush Hashem. People said, by the way, Kiddush Hashem is not only in the eyes of the going, in the eyes of Jews also. Chilul Hashem and Kiddush Hashem, people think it's only when the going look. No. It's when Jews look also. And not only secular Jews, religious Jews, even for them you can make Chilul Hashem. And not only that, even if you yourself doing something, it's also Chilul Hashem. I saw one of the sources. You alone, nobody saw it. It's, it's in a much lower level, but it's also Chilul Hashem. This disrespect to Hashem. So the Ramchal said, he gave an example. Last week I started to tell you all kinds of things about Chilul Hashem. So Rav say, I'm doing Chilul Hashem. What does it mean? I buy meat from the butcher and don't pay him cash immediately. There's no credit cards in those days. So the owner of the store gives you credit. You know, Rabbi Yochanan say, no, no, I'm doing Kiddush Hashem, eh, Chilul Hashem. What? I walked four steps without feeling on me and without learning Torah. Sometimes. Sometimes it happens to me that I went for four steps and I forgot for a minute to learn. You know, it reminds me, we have one of our chief rabbis in the world, Rav Ovadia Yosef, Chacham Ovadia, should live, Bezrat uh, Hashem, long life, is a... Uh, necessity for the generation, now more than ever before. So one time I went to London to give a lecture. He doesn't speak English. So how he give a lecture to a thousand British Jews, how you need an interpreter. So they got an, a British Jew to translate. So the rabbi said two sentences. <laughs> Before I continue the story, it just reminds me of a nice story. I was now in LA, so I, I, I had a Shabbaton in a hotel with Rabbi Zamir Cohen from Idabut, a very famous speaker in Israel. He has a television station, he writes all these books, the Revelation, the Mapa, very, very knowledgeable person, and also a wonderful human being. Not enough to be Chacham. Chacham, there are Chachamim. Mensch, people that has hum, humble, nice, pleasant, it's very hard to find. So the president of the, the vice president of the organization, every time he goes to overseas, he comes with him. So the guy say, we went to Argentina. The rabbi say two sentences. The Argentinian Jew, ten minutes. Por favor, senora, senore, da 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 da. The rabbi said two sentences. He talks and talks and talks. The rabbi started to get nervous. What is he saying? So the rabbi said it's really a torture to speak with an interpreter. Sometimes it's the other way around. I used to translate somebody like 16 years ago. He used to say something, let's say a minute. I would translate it in much less time. You know that the people. Because then to translate literally word by word, you forget, then you mess it up. You have to focus, do it short and to the point. So the people were wondering, he spoke a minute now, he spoke 10 seconds, 20 seconds. <laughs> well, at least it's better that you speak two minutes and you speak 40 minutes, no? So Ravavali Yosef speak, and the interpreter translate. And then when the, when the British guy speaks, Rabbi Ravavali continue to talk. So the interpreter gets confused. Maybe you want to tell me something. So he keeps saying, you say something, Rabbi, in Hebrew. You say something, you say something. So Rabbi said, no, no, continue, continue translate. He was, he was dying to know what is he talking to himself. He got closer to his mouth. He, say, he saw that while he's giving a lecture in one subject, 
every 20 seconds or 10 seconds that he translates, he learns Mishnayot. You know all the Mishnayot by heart. So he translates, and the rabbi says, there's two words in Betalit, it's the whole of my life, Rashi says this, Tosfot, Rabbi Akiva, he says, excuse me, Rabbi, no, continue. Okay, so continue to speak, go back here. Continue the speech, go back here. Not to waste time. Understand? That's how you become a big chacham. Just to learn order in, a, like, in an ordinary way. He used to be a rabbi that had a computer head, computer. His name was Rabbi Chaim Oizer. One rabbi, I think it was Rav Levkovi, I think he just passed away about six months ago. In his 90, 97 years old. He was a student in Europe when he was a, a teenager. One time he came to his office, there were 11 people with pens riding. 11 people around the table, and a person is standing asking the rabbi questions, so that makes it 12. <laughs> and the rabbi has a paper and a pen, so 13 things, 13 different subjects simultaneously. This is how the shiur goes. He tells the guy, okay, the Gemara, Baba Metzia, speaking about two people who found an object, so this, write this, write this, and then he goes, while well, this one is writing, he goes to the second one, speaking about Brit Mila, circumcision. Finishing with him, then this guy asks a question, he answering the question, he goes, and then he knows where to go back to each one of them where he stopped. He was the one who was able to write with two hands in two different languages. You know anyone in the world can do it? Today I was trying to read something and write one word. Every letter I tried to write, I got stuck in the middle. Where was I? To read and to write something else at the same time. You need a lot of practice, but you need two brains for it. Very difficult. Even to become a drummer, it looks very easy, you know, to drum, but it's not so simple. When one leg, you go slow, the other one faster with this hand very fast, every five times you do one. It's like four different things, very difficult. It looks bad, the kids, they take the, the pots, they bang. No, it, it's, it's very difficult. It looks easy, believe me, but it needs coordination. But that's nothing compared to what I'm telling you here. So anyway, so we continue, it says like this. In Chilul Hashem, even if a person is innocent, which means he didn't do it intentionally, it happened by mistake, you know, by mistake. It's also a problem, it's also a problem. And the Chachamim started to argue which one of them does more Chilul Hashem than the other. Today, everyone brag, I do a lot of Chilul Hashem. No, I do more than you, I do more than him, believe me. Over there they said, no, I'm doing worse than him, I'm worse than him. They, they argue who is worse, you understand? So it says like this, well, I went four steps without filin and without Torah. No, what's the problem? What chilul Hashem about it? You must go with filin on the street, even in the old days. So you don't have filin. So what, it's not the end of the world. In my level that people saw me all the time walking with filin, they all got used to it, right? For instance, I'll give you an example. A person that became religious and doesn't like beard, doesn't want to have a beard. Nobody forced him to do a beard. Beard tzaddik is more important than a beard. One sentence of Lashon Hara is already worse than 40 years without beard. People don't know. Lashon Hara is murder. What's better, to have a beard and to be a murderer or to be shaved and not to be a murderer? What's better? As long as you don't cut the roots with a razor. That's, it. That's really the restriction. So if a person doesn't want to have a beard, it's not Chilul Hashem. When it becomes Chilul Hashem, that he grow a beard, and then after six months, he shaves it. That's Chilul Hashem. But everyone see, oh, you see? See what's happening here? That's Chilul Hashem. That's why I always tell the students, don't rush. Learn a few years. Feel that you're stable. Slowly, slowly, you move to the next step. Don't uh, get excited and jump to a level of a, a Rosh Yeshiva and then go back to zero. It's not the right way. Most of the people who jump beyond their uh, ability, Collapse completely in the end. You can go one, two, three years, boom. In the end, you hear, they collapse completely. Because you have to build yourself in the right way. Another step. And you wait to make sure you're not shaky. And then another step. And another step. 
מעבר סייני ברוח, החיפזון הוא מן השטן. רשינג, רשינג, with no discipline, with no plan, without being clever, it's coming as the advice of the Satan. It is. Oh, look how fast I became a rabbi. Wow, wow, wow. Everything I already do in six months. Beer, dad, high, walking, mikveh, every day, running, learning. No, fine. But there's no foundation. The foundation is not solid yet. So we move on. So it says like this. Someone who learns a lot of Torah, necessarily it brings him to the path of correcting his bad traits. Because when you learn about something a few times a month or a few times a week, eventually it gets to your head that this is what you have to do. Someone who doesn't learn Torah doesn't feel the urge of getting changed. Doesn't feel it's bad to be angry, to be lazy, to be an ignorant person. It doesn't feel that there's, there's a problem. I wish I was a chacham. No big deal, so I'm not. I'm a good driver. I'm a good dentist. It's okay. It's also something. He doesn't understand the loss of not knowing Torah. And that's already a big chilul Hashem. If a person is a religious 20 years and he's an Amaretz, and he doesn't know what bracha to do on a cake, what bracha to do on a cookie, what bracha on a candy, on an ice cream, you say bracha, you don't say. Or in this situation, you went out of the house, you came back, you switched room. Thousands of cases like this. What do we do in this case, that case? I didn't pray shachrit, my stomach hurts. Now Musaf came. Can I pray Musaf? And then can I pray shachrit? Or if I pray Musaf, it's already no. Can I pray? There's a lot of things that happens to us all the time. If you never learn, your life looks like Israeli salad with lots of onion in it. <laughs> That's what it looks like. It's all one day like this, one day like this. Anyway, so it says like this. הנה שמירת השבתות וימים טובים, רבי, to know how to keep Shabbat and Yom Tov. Do you know how many years you have to learn? How many years a Jew has to learn? Clever Jew comes to Yeshiva from morning to night. How many years he has to learn to know 100% all the thousands of details when it comes to Shabbat and Yom Tov and the differences between Shabbat, Yom Tov, this, Pikuach Nefesh, not Pikuach Nefesh. This, before Bar Mitzvah, after Bar Mitzvah, there's a lot of things. It can take years. It can take up to seven years even to know everything. First of all, Masechet Shabbat is very thick. And to learn a page of Gemara, people come to Shiva, how many pages do you think they learn? The average learner. One a day, two a day. If they're really, really smart, four a day maybe. If they're really, really smart. So you have a whole book like this. So that's reading it, learning it once. By the time you finish it, you think you remember anything? You remember 5%. Then you go again, the whole thing. So now you remember 15%. Then you go the whole thing again, you remember now 50%. By the fourth time, you should know the majority of it. To know all of it by heart, how many times you have to learn? 101 times. You learn it from King Solomon. 101 times, you'll never forget it. People wake you up in the middle of it's sick. Two o'clock at night. Tell me what Abaye said to Rabbi about this in uh, ah, uh, page uh, Lamed Bet. Okay, yeah, this and that. And then Rashi said like this. He know everything. Why? Two o'clock at night. After 101 times learning seriously, he will know it. But up to then, so now that's already now almost seven years. Just to go over, over it four times. You understand? And plus, just to know the Gemara, it's not enough. You need to know Halakha. The Gemara is all the opinions, the Halakha is one. You have to go all over Shulchan Aruch, you have to know Rambam, you have to know Shulchan Aruch. Then some people learn Mishnah Brura, some learn Benishchais. Today is the most recommended one is to learn Yalkut Yosef, Rabbi Yovad Yosef, or Sfaradim, because he covers almost every subject in our generation. There's no other posek who covers so much in the Sfaradi world. The Ashkenazim, they have different poskim, there's few. So each one go according to his rabbi, but by the Sfaradim, besides Rav Ovadia Yosef and his son, Rav Yitzchak Yosef, that covers almost everything, and now they even have it in English, some of it already, and they're translating it very fast. So even if you have different opinions in certain halachot, like different ones, it's minor compared to the lost 
of not knowing about so many other subjects because not everyone covered everything. Baruch Hashem, some people are giving a lot of lectures, but they were not writing a lot. So they wrote four, three books, four books in the whole life. It's not enough to tell me everything I need to know about Shabbat. But someone like Rabbi Ovalia Yosef and his son, they're riding from morning to night, nine stop. Soon as Rabbi Ovalia Yosef finished to pray, right away goes into the room with a pen, and he has Rabbi Shitrit with him all day, riding one page after the one after. He rests a little bit in the afternoon for an hour, goes back until very late at night. Well, it's 18 hours a day like this. And writing, and every three months they publish a book. After reviewing it, testing, making sure, no mistake, printing, checking again. And his son also. Son, most of the day is learning. Besides all the other things they have to take care, to take over, they write non-stop. That's why there's so many books. So many books in so many subjects. And he gives you the answer about every elevators, crackpots, cell phones, uh, uh, internet. Uh, uh, the machines, the, uh, the, uh, the soda machines, the candy machines, in the hospital, in the area of Goim, you want to buy your worker wants to work on Shabbat, it's in Harlem, it's in Monsi, there's many things. When they allow, when they're not allowed. What happens if you own the house, you don't own the house, if the, if the builder still didn't sell you the house, can he work in your future house with his Goim? So many things. Believe me, thousands, thousands of things to know. So if a person doesn't learn, that's the biggest Chilul Hashem. When they see him 20 years in a synagogue, and then they have a question in a shul, and he doesn't know what to do. And what, what people say, what? Nobody knows anything? And that's a very big problem. That's why it says, Someone who's in ignorant, he will never be a righteous person to a high level. Never. He cannot be righteous without knowing what he needs to do. You have great intentions, you have great soul, you have great midot maybe, but you don't know Torah. You eat worms, you make mistakes, you do all kinds of restrictions on Shabbat not even knowing. You do things. You know, okay, so now let's move on. I've seen something in this weekend in a hotel in Shabbat that 40 minutes before Shabbat is over, one person went and brought the Hadassim on Shabbat. You know the Hadassim that we smell, the branches? In the middle of Shabbat, the Hadassim and the candle, he walks in a hotel and brings it to the table of the person who's supposed to do Avdalah after Birkat Amazon. And then one rabbi, one of the rabbis, he says, what are you doing? Well, I'm preparing it for Avdalah, he says. But Shabbat, now I'm allowed to move it. He said, no. He doesn't know because he doesn't learn. Don't learn, you don't learn, you make mistakes. And now in front of 300 people, 200 people were in a room, in a dining room. And, and over there is lucky, because most of the people there didn't know that also. Because not one person stopped him in the middle while he was walking around, until he came to the rabbi table. That's Hilul Hashem. You know what the real problem is? That people disagree that it's Hilul Hashem. In the heart, it's a no big deal. That's the problem. Uh, people don't understand how bad it is not to, to be an ignorant person. So when someone comes and gives a speech, like I do now in the name of the Ramchal or the Gemara, so the people sit and listen, and in their mind they think, this guy is crazy. This is a, it's an extreme. They exaggerate. cannot be, if I don't know Torah, so I'm doing Chilul Hashem every minute of my life. That's how the people think. I have to be a doctor. I have to be a, an academic, I have to be a rabbi, I have to know everything. It's not about being a rabbi, it's, it's knowing how to live. Knowing how to live. You have a situation with your wife, this, she finished, she has to go to the mikveh, when, she's allowed, not allowed, things. What do you know? Do you don't know anything? What, 20 years you had a beautiful beard and a nice sombrero made in Mexico? And you don't know Aleph Bet. So we continue like this. It says like this. You know what? When I was there now, one guy came two and a half hours with his wife driving. He's a former U.S. soldier. He got wounded in Iraq, and the army paid him for his injury. And then he came with his wife, and he wants to come to Monsi to yeshiva. 
married person with three kids. So I say, I, I took advantage that his wife was next to him. I say, it's, it's good with you. You're going to have uh, support. I have money. She say, yeah, we have money coming from the army. X amount of money, and uh, we'll manage. Not a lot, but we manage. And I say, you don't mind? Your husband will go for months to learn Torah? She said, no, I know the importance of it. Just like Rachel, the wife of Rabbi Akiva, 2,000 years later. Let him go for months. I'll manage. She pushed her husband to go to yeshiva. Today, the husband went to the yeshiva, Moshe, you say 20 minutes. It's already 24 minutes. I'm, I'm alone here. Come. I don't want to eat alone. The kids make noise. They don't want to go to bed. Come help me. Help me to put the kids to sleep. She has three maids. She needs her husband to come from yeshiva to scream in the house. Go to bed. Three maids. She can't manage. Right? Because she doesn't evaluate. She doesn't appreciate the Torah. She knew when a person learned Torah, the last thing you want is to stop him for a second. She never dared to call her husband. So she banged her head to the wall and she wouldn't call him. But since the Torah for her is history class, math class, that's how she looks at that. So she called him three times an hour. You understand the idea here? So then the Ramchal continues. He says... On Shabbat, it's not only what you do, what you not do, it's also what you talk. How you dress, how you respect Shabbat, white shirt, no white shirt, suit, or you come with your jeans and your holes that you wear every day to go to work or to, to school. Your knees are out, this, that, or sneakers, yeah, all kinds, flowers, pink shirts, this. I see, I go to, I go to places I all the time, travel for one place, every Shabbat almost, I'm in different places. See how people dress, they don't have the understanding what Shabbat is. Instead of dress like a chatan. person has to dress for Shabbat like the day he's going to dress in his wedding. But in a Jewish style, not in a Goy style. Some people in the night of the wedding, they look like Vini and Tony. <laughs> Keep it for your wedding, not for Shabbat. You know? What does it mean? Shabbat, nice suit, not pink. Nice suit. White shirt, nice tie, Lichvot Shabbat, something special. Rabbi, I don't like ties. Lichvot Shabbat. If you really suffer, you don't have to, because there's no mitzvah to suffer in Shabbat. But if it's not really no big deal, you just don't like the style. You know, the Israelis, for instance, they don't like ties. So they go to a wedding, they come with jeans, the kibbutzniking, and sandals. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know? <laughs> All right. So we started to say, Three things destroy the person and take him away from the world, from this world and from the next world. What is it? Jealousy, desires, and running after honor, respect, destroying the person's life. I want to tell you something. A person that searched for honor, and that the people will respect him all the time, he become crazy in the end. We see now in this generation of someone that is fighting with the whole world because someone is insulting him and another one has insulted him. Minor insult that every normal person would be upset for an hour and it would be over. Wars, problems, chilul Hashem all over the world. His ego. Person become crazy. He gets to a point that everyone laughs about him behind his back. And he doesn't even see it. This is what happened. This is what it means. Nobody wants to stand near him anymore. Nobody wants to walk with you anymore. Nobody wants to invite you anymore to do things. Even your people in your own house cannot stand you. As soon as you come from work, their nightmare begins. Moishi, go to your friend. Rivka, go to your friend. He came, the mother doesn't want the kids near him. Cannot stand him. Why? Every little thing bothering him. His ego. It's not really cares about the Torah. So nobody respects me here. I'm here, nobody rise. I'm here, nobody made me my dinner already. What is this? Everything bothers him. 
and then he goes to the business, and then he fights with the customers, and the customers leaves him, and then he goes bankrupt, and in the end he blames the whole world. This is what I see it all the time, all the time. So one person says, Rabbi, the Chazal says, someone who runs away from honor, the honor will chase him. He'll get it in the end. Someone who runs after honor, the honor will always run from him. So one person came to the Rabbi, Rabbi, I'm, I'm not sure that the Chazal are right about this say. I said, what do you mean they're not right? He said, I'm running away for years, away from the honor, and the honor never ran after me. I ran, I ran, I never got honor. The Rabbi said, you know why? Because you ran, you ran, 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 you ran. Where are you, honor? Where are you? You ran, where are you? That's how you ran from the honor. Running from the honor, thinking 24 hours a day, where is it? Why well, it doesn't come? That's not running after, from the honor. That's running after the honor. Ay, 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 ay. So a person like this, he has to do everything he can to run away from these three things. Someone who angry is like worshipping an idol. What's the connection? You bow down to an idol and you get angry. What's the connection that it's equal? Because when you bow down to an idol, that means you don't believe in God. You believe in that idol. When you get angry at someone, it's a sign you don't believe in God. Because you think that someone made you a problem. And it's not him. God runs the world. If you didn't deserve it, you wouldn't get it. And if you deserve it, even without him, you'll get it. So, so why to get angry? If the dog beat you, you're angry at the dog? If you're a fool, yeah. Why do you angry at the dog? The dog understands who to bite, who not. Who do you think sent the dog to bite you? Who? Who? You know? So that's what's going on. Getting angry at people is just like a dog. You know, when you, when you play with your dog, you take a stick and you hit the dog. What does the dog do? You try to bite the stick. You go like this, jump. He's trying to bite it. Then in the end, you throw the stick, and the dog runs after the stick and barks at the stick. He's angry in the stick. You fool. <laughs> the stick didn't do anything to you. I did it to you. He doesn't understand. I'm the one who hit him. He thinks the stick hits him. And you laugh, and we are worse than this dog. Someone stole from you, don't know who, broke your car. So he said, ah, I'll catch this guy, I'll kill him. <laughs> what do you mean the guy? The guy is nothing, he's dust in the wind. Hashem wanted you to lose $200 to wake you up for something. What do you think? Oh, I'll kill this doctor. What kind of doctor is this? He didn't do this, he didn't do that. Ah, doctor, doctor. The life and death is in the hands of the doctor. You know, one time there was in Israel a Bukharian guy in a Bukharian neighborhood that was very poor, and he had a very rare sickness, very rare. And there was only one specialist in the world that can cure the sickness, but you need to pay him fortune. This guy hardly has what to eat. Cannot afford to bring this specialist from overseas to Israel. So basically everyone told him, no, let's prepare for your funeral. What can we do? That's what happened. So, after a few weeks, they found out that somebody else in Israel got that rare disease. Two people in the whole country. But this one is a very wealthy person, his father. So the wealthy person brought a specialist to Israel to save his son. And they said, well, doctor, if you're already here in the same hospital, they brought in the same unit, take care of this one also. Oh, that's no problem. I'm already there. So when he came, he took care of both of them. The Bukharian lived and the other one died. No. That's what happened. The one who paid and brought him for his son did it for the other one, because the other one was supposed to live. You understand? So Hashem wanted to take away that, that young guy for whatever reasons, but he wanted to save the other one in a miracle that everyone would see that money is, does not buy health like some people think. And he got the rich one to sponsor the doctor to save the poor one. That's all. So we continue. The Ramchal continue. He say, Gava, pride, is very, very bad. Because you think, I'm God. That's really what it is. There's not only one God in the world. It's him and me. I, know, I admit that he's above me, but not a lot. You know, they're almost the same. 
Well, sometimes I disagree with him, I'll tell him right there, you know. Oh, I'm religious in my way. How many thousands of times you hear this nonsense? It's like someone say, I'm Jewish in my way. What do you mean you're Jewish in your Your mother is African-American, you're Jewish? No, I'm Jewish in my way. There's rules. The one who invented the club called Judaism set up the rules. You, you meet the rules, you are. You don't meet, you're not. No, no, but in my heart I am. It doesn't work that way. A Jew wants to be a Muslim. He can be a Muslim, he, will, he can never be a Muslim. He can convert a billion times to Islam. He dies Jew and will get punished for everything he made, even if he changed his name to Mustafa. <laughs> so they'll call him, they will say, Yitzchak ben Yosef Amechune Mustafa. The trial begin. Who is Yitzchak? I don't, my name is not Yitzchak. You tell me what's your name? No, my name is Mustafa. You understand what's happening to people? Or a person who was a man and changed into a woman. Don't call me he. I'm a she. <laughs> Stupid. You come to Shamaim, you are he. Why do you put Filin? What Filin? I'm a lady. Filin? Yeah, Filin. I don't care what you are. I care what I made you. You understand? That's what people don't get. You can fool the whole world. You can fool yourself. <laughs> In the end, when the time comes, you face the truth. How stupid we are sometimes. We're busy all our life to lie to ourselves, to make the situation look great. We are fooling ourselves. 20 hours out of 24 hours, all we do is fool ourselves. Even people on a diet. When people go on a diet, that's, how you see, that's a great example how they fool themselves every hour. No, but only this time, now I'm going to jog, I'm going to go to the gym, I'll cover it, it's a wedding, it's an opportunity. Every day it's something. Three months diet, one and a half pound they lost, another month they gained five. Diet. Uh, all right, so the Ramchal says like this. It says like this. It says like this here. When a person, when a person is full of pride, there is a certain pattern in his behaving. Things that constantly repeat itself. First, he doesn't agree to talk to every person. Not every person is in his level. I'm not talking to him. Talk to my secretary. That's number one. Number two, it says, he will walk in a certain way. He will only participate with parties and meetings with the wealthy, fancy, schmancy people. Not every party he goes. He has to check first who's going to be there, what, where, what's the place. Right? His clothing, of course, has to be extra special. Extra special. Everyone wear a fancy suit there. No, no, you have to find something that will attract attention. If not, he doesn't enjoy the party, right? I knew, I saw in my own eyes, one time I was invited to, <coughs> to a special evening to the Holocaust Museum. They drove me crazy, come, come, only half an hour, just show respect, fine, I went there. It was in Mandarin Hotel in Manhattan, very fancy hotel in Upper West Side there, Columbus Circle. So the wealthy people who sponsored the event, you know, I saw the driver. I already met the driver in a different occasion. I saw the, the first person I saw when I walked there, I saw the drivers waiting in the street <laughs> next to the hotel. So I told him, oh, you're here already? And where are the people? He said, no, they're coming soon. So I said, why are you here so early? He said, I brought the clothes. So I say, what clothes? Well, they don't, they're not come dressed from, from home. <laughs> he said, no, you don't understand how these people are. They bring few gowns to the evening. Every hour, the lady goes and takes the new gown and change. <laughs> In the same party. Up to now, I was with this dress. Now there's something special designer. Because there's not enough time to show what you have. So you got to compromise. <laughs> you understand? 
בגדים שלבשה לו בוקר, לא לבשה לו ערב. That's what Asher Potiphar did for Yosef. In the morning, what's the name of that guy? Armani. Then, wait, wait, don't move. Check, take the Armani, you go boss. Come, here, take. Take, what's the, what's now in style? Gucci. Huh? Gucci. Next one, Gucci. Yosef. Then, so, when someone talks to him, he answers very brief and show him that he doesn't have patience to continue the conversation. Because he doesn't have patience for anyone, he's proud. Then, he always, his level of expectation for his respect is constantly growing every week of his life. It's not staying on a certain level. Because then he, then he's satisfied already with this. You need something much higher. It's like a drug addict. Starts with a little bit and then more and more and more until Hashem Yirachem. Same thing, this is like a sickness. Every week is more a little bit and more and more. He gets to a point that he drives the whole world crazy. Amir, Amir, how come? Hey, hey, Amir already 10 minutes. You're not noticing me? You're not announcing on the microphone? It, it gets to this situation. You know, Rav Benzion Abba Shaul, Zecher Tzadik Livracha, one time said that in a synagogue, the wealthy people that build the synagogue, they usually sit next to the rabbi, on the stage or in the front. So everyone has a dedicated chair. Gratitude, you help to build the shul. So they give you gratitude, no problem, that's no problem. It's perfectly fine. The problem begins now that these people usually, usually they are the last one who show up to the davening. You know, they're not in a rush, they're 50 million, 100 million. I don't need Hashem so much, I don't exaggerate. I'll come to Birkat Kohanim. Yom Kippur, they come to the shofar in the end. In Israel, it's very common. A lot of ignorant people, they wait the whole fast, those who fast. The last half an hour, I have to go to the shul. Why? For the shofar. Shofar, it's not bechlal a part of Yom Kippur. It's when Yom Kippur over. The whole Yom Kippur. It's amazing what's happening. So, it's funny, but it's sad. So anyway, it says like this. Rabbi Benzion said that when these people come late, sometimes guests, come to the shul, and there's no chairs to sit. Everyone sits in the back. There's only a few chairs in the front. What are you going to stand? Three hours now. So you go to the first row and sit. You see, it's already Birkat Kohanim. Nobody showed up. You assume that no, this, this person is away or something. Then he shows up. <laughs> That's an amazing scene. When the wealthy guy shows up, and he sees someone stranger sitting in his chair. Know what happened to him that moment? His body temperature go from 37 Celsius to 137. <laughs> Smokes comes out of his ear. I'm going to show this guy. So he comes, excuse me, chutzpah. What, you don't see my name on the chair? So he embarrasses the person in front of everyone. It happens every Shabbat. It's my chair, it's a private chair. But who does he really embarrass? Himself. But the pride is such a disease that you don't care what's going to be. You cannot control it anymore. It's a much dangerous disease. Dangerous disease. A proud person is never happy one minute in his life. Because there's always something wrong. Kmo Haman, Haman. Now pour him, pour him two days from now. In 48 hours in the Megillah, remember me. When Amman said to his wife, the whole world bowed down to me. I'm the richest guy in the world. Everyone on the street bowed down to me. I tell the king what to do, what not to do. I'm richer than the king. But this Jew does not bow down to me. This kills me. Nothing is worth it for me. Everything I have is zero. Why one does not bow down to me? Understand how a proud person behaves? No, a normal person, he got to such level, he will be more than happy. No, from billion people in the world, one doesn't bow down to you. No, fine. One enemy you have. You cannot live. So then, it continue. It says like this. 
Sometimes it gets to a level that the proud person becomes a great actor. He begins to pretend that he's humble. That's when it really gets dangerous. Now he, be, he pretends he's humble. No, don't give me this title. No, erase it. Why? Get angry. Someone plays him on a microphone. He goes like this in front of everyone. But everyone thinks, oh, what a humble person. But Hashem says, what a crook. He goes like this. And in his heart, he says, ah, <laughs> delicious. Everyone listening. I'm the number one in the world. <laughs> no? Isn't <laughs> it? That's how it is. Pretend. Oh, he come into the, to the shul, pretend he come from the back door like this. And then when people rise, ah, they notice me anyway. I don't want to come from the front door like this. No? I got to go like this. He pretends like a thief, he comes in. I one time saw, in my own eyes, such contradiction that I never forget it in my whole life. One, one of these crooks who pretend, they try to pretend they're humble, comes into the yeshiva and sit. Like no, and then he gave a speech, they invited him to speak, and he said like this, that's how he started his speech, after he pretended he's nothing, for years, for years, he said, for years I have this question, I couldn't find an answer, until tonight, with God's help, they told me the answer from heaven in my dream. <laughs> he really believes himself. He's so sick, this person. You understand? You can be smart, you can know a lot. You never got over your mental issues. It's a very big problem. Sometimes wisdom is more dangerous. Because when a proud person doesn't have what to say, at least sometimes he's quiet. But when he knows a little bit, you know how much noise he makes? If the, the tzedakah box doesn't have anything in it, it can go like this until tomorrow. Nobody pays attention because there's nothing to say. If you put one penny, wow, so much noise you make already. He knows one or two lectures to give, and he goes from one place to another 20 years with the same lecture, hoping there will not be duplications of the, you know, of the people that he heard me already somewhere else. Show off. One time a person wrote a book, every word of his book was copying from other books, word by word. Not one word was his. Half of the book was askamot. Half of the book, maybe 40 pages, blessings from the rabbis about how great is his book. Who knows how many donations he has to give to get his letters. <laughs> you come, you give a thousand dollar check, you say, Rabbi, I wrote a book, and you give me a blessing, what is he going to tell you, no? manners, gratitude. So he writes to the great Rabbi Ploni Almoni, I bless him for the arrival of his wonderful book. And this rabbi think, what, what, what's the problem? This book anyway, it's all a copy from the Ben Ishchai, Chazonish, this, that. It's copy. So okay, he thinks he wrote it, fine. And he constantly says, did you read my book? Did you read my book? What, what book? Why I didn't read my book? How can it be? But it's really not his book. It's all copied from different books. Understand the show of how far it goes? Then there are some proud people that they think in their heart that they're so great that we are disgusted already from this honor. It's really a bother. You know, I'm going to start dress ripped clothes, go barefoot on the street. I'm going to make myself really nothing. One time I went to Israel. They told, they told me to go to a city. I'm trying to remember which was Natania or Herzliya. I'm talking to you 15 years ago, at least 15 years ago. They told me there's a big tzaddik, big tzaddik. You have to see him. I said, okay, let's go. Took me in a car. I come to a house. I see they have a meal, sheva brachot, something. That's some kind of a party. And I see a person with very dirty clothes, all stains, all ripped. And I look, I see his legs are swollen like this. He doesn't have shoes, barefoot. Look like, a homeless look like a million dollars compared to him. So I say to myself, why is he sitting in the head of the table, this homeless? 
And they tell me, no, you fool. This is the tzaddik that we are talking about. So I say to the guy, this is for sure not a tzaddik. That's a crook. It's not a tzaddik. How you dare to talk about him? Say, you fool. Tzaddikim don't behave like this. Going like homeless on the street without shoes. This is trying to show that it's something special. You don't understand. You ever saw a chacham walk like this, barefoot, chazal, say a person should sell everything he has to get himself a pair of shoes. If he's a chacham, he walk... Gemara says, if a talmid chacham go with oil, oil stain on his chair, deserve execution for the embarrassment he brings to Hashem. You should see the shirt of this person. And I already saw that he didn't take a shower for years. He's pretending that he's, he's torturing himself. That's crazy people. The world is full of them. And there are many fools who fall into the trap. It's not only in Judaism, it's all over. You have people like this everywhere in cults, all these crazy people who make themselves cults nonstop. And what else? It says like this. A proud person never hears the other person when he talks. He's silent, because you know, in front of people, he cannot cut him off. But he doesn't really listen when he talks. He's just counting the second, no, finish already, that I should say what I have to say. They never listen. It's another problem. Never. Sometimes I, get, I meet people like this. You tell them something, you answer the question perfectly. There's no answer to what you say. They didn't even listen to a word. But how come? But no, I'm not convinced. He didn't listen. What did I say? He doesn't know. He doesn't want to listen. Just want to talk. Some people, not here, Baruch Hashem, the only reason they go to the lecture is to speak on a microphone and to be on a video. My truth from stereo. Stereo. So, to avat Hashem kol kvalev, despicable in the eyes of Hashem, everyone, that his ego is all the way up there. If a person wants to clean this bad trait from his system, he has to know that right now he's blind. He cannot see anything until he gets rid of it. And if he knew really the truth, he would do everything he can to get rid, to clean it from his system. And to become humble is one of the hardest things in life to do. One of the hardest things to do. Especially if you're really smart and nice and charismatic and handsome and rich and who knows what. The more skills you have, the harder it is to be humble. You have nothing, you might as well be humble and be quiet. But if you have a lot, it's very difficult to be quiet. Because you, you have the urge to show that you are the smartest. Someone who is proud usually goes together with anger. By everything people say, he gets angry. Everything. His wife, his children, this, the neighbor, his student, whatever. He doesn't think with his brain anymore. It's like a, like a cruel animal, like the leopard that all he thinks about is to attack the zebra and there's nothing he can do. That's it. It's, it's a done deal. It's a degree already that was made. No, nobody can stop him. There's no way to convince him to wait or anything like that. So that's how they are. And he can make so many sins because of his anger. You know, when a person is angry, he can kill. He can kill. You know how many times on traffic, stupid things, someone is hunking, you block him, people kill each other? Or, or someone caught you... Someone, someone took away your parking. You're waiting there before him, and he uh, came from behind and took it. No very nasty thing to do. A reason to murder, to, be, to sit in jail all your life, take a knife, go, boom, stick it in his heart. All the time, things like this happen. Anger is very dangerous, because the person is not him. It's like the, the Satan is moving his body. There's all kinds of angry people. There are people who hardly ever get angry to someone. It's not in your nature. You're, you expect everyone to surrender to you, and you mix Hashem with them. It gets to a point that you think Hashem also has to surrender to you. Like people say, Rabbi, 
When I get married, I'll be religious like you. As long as it doesn't happen, leave me alone. What does it mean? I play the flute, and Hashem will dance according to my music. Hashem say, no, my friend. I'll play the flute, and you'll be the dancer. You don't want? No problem. Do it your way. I don't have to tell you where it ends. So a person has to purify himself, do everything he can, be clever to stay clean, to be clean, to pure his soul, to pure his thinking, and to understand finally that this way will, will get him to nothing. Nothing. Jealousy, pride, ego, anger, all this. Nothing he will get in his life. And even something that it looks like he has temporarily will be like poison for him in the end. And then, again, to talk, it's not so hard. It's not easy, but it's not so hard. But to do, it's much, much harder. To do. But I've seen, believe me, I've seen angry people who with, with hard work of learning change their personality. I've saw violent people, they became Amash very calm. I've seen many kinds of people over the years came, came to yeshiva, they started to learn, and they really started to change. And I've seen others who did learning, but stayed the same or worse. Nothing changed. So it's up to you. You have the medicine, you have to know how to use it. You do it in the right way, fine. If not, it can make you more damage, the same medicine. You got to do it Hashem's way, not your way. Ve'asita ha'yashar ve'atov be'enei Hashem. You do the good and the decent in the eyes of your God, not in your eyes. In your eyes, everything is crooked. In the eyes of Hashem. Baruch Adonai 